join the hosts of Brick City Blockade in the Cantina for an open discussion of a galaxy far, far away. Mostly just Ray and the Ray and Luke stuff, and I think actually more of like focusing in on <coughs> predictable. Yeah, excuse me. Well, yeah, it is, but <laughs> like the thing I found compelling the most was the little bit of the guilt we were hinting at with you know Luke Skywalker and and. I don't know if it's in the, like that spoiler territory. I mean, we try not to do that here, but I figure if it's an Entertainment Weekly, you got to be pretty hardcore to want to say, "Okay, that's it. I'm just, I'm just going in December to see the movie. I'm going to avoid all the trailers and all the merchandise yeah. and stuff." That, that's like, that's hardcore. I got to give everybody a lot of credit if they want to try to do that. To me, I feel like if it's in print, in a major publication like EW, I feel like we can talk about it. I agree. I mean, I think there's, to me, spoilers are more what's going on with the plot. Spoiler is, what are they going to tell us about Ray's uh, lineage? Spoilers are, does Luke ever get off the damn island? Spoilers, or does he say, get off my damn wall? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I saw that. That picture is perfect for him saying that. Get off my lawn! Get uh, off my lawn. Uh, but he... Uh, it, I, I I would venture it's a 50% chance at least that Mark Hamill made that joke at some point while they were doing that photo shoot. I mean, he is kind of an older guy now, and he's got a good sense of humor if you follow him on Twitter, actually. He looks pretty crotchety. Yeah, he, he can be, but yeah. And, and we were speculating a little bit, too, because I'm we, we see him at the end of episode seven and he's kind of in that traditional jedi garb you know mostly light colors and then a lot of the we saw in the ew stuff was you know very a dark drab one of my favorite photos that i I talked with katie mcfarlane who's actually gonna start contributing some creative writing to the site which is i think awesome she just had the first one go up actually very good ray's mission yeah Uh, very good very little uh snippet and uh hopefully we can see some more from her but you know one of the things that i talked about when we had the chance to chat a few weeks ago was you know that just the the imagery star wars is is known for just saying a lot without even sometimes dialogue and i know most people would prefer the prequels not have a whole lot of dialogue yeah (laughs) but the this thing's already going off the rails. I'm not even sure if this is going to count. We'll probably edit this back in afterwards if we need to. But just the imagery of he's in dark clothing. He's in the door of the, you know, the hut there on Oct 2. He's in the darkness and Ray is there in the light, hopeful. Like we've talked about and speculated a lot before, too. I really think they're going to need each other. And I think she's going to I think she's going to help him quite a bit. Oh, I think so too. I, I, I it, it's. Uh, I think we're gonna have a fallen hero. Is really what it is. I mean, that's the storyline. That's where everything points back to. I've mentioned this on a previous episode, but for Kathleen Kennedy to get J.J. Abrams involved in doing the Force Awakens, the thing that gave him that got him hooked was she came at him and she said. Who is Luke Skywalker now? Mm-hmm. So this has been an underlying point, and The Force Awakens was kind of a build-up to get there, and we didn't explore it that much. We It's kind of a mystery why he's out there. So this is going to be the film that really explores that. And I think Ryan Johnson was actually given the task of, here, he's on this island. You know, we, we've talked about it a couple times before, too, with, with kind of this new, uh, almost like a, a campfire story where... 
I don't know, Jim. I what do you think? I, like, see, that, I feel that, like that, I feel that bugs like... me. That bugs me so much because I just can't see the Them most valuable like... movie franchise of all time. And seeing Kathleen Kennedy going, yes, you're going to tell this story. And we have no idea what's going to happen in the next episode. And mm-hmm. we're going to leave that completely up to the director and whoever writes it and whatever. And just say they're going to pick up and have... I can see that on some things like... Something as maybe does Poe survive all three episodes? Maybe there's some creative ability on certain characters. and uh, But Luke Skywalker? You're telling me that J.J. Abrams did that movie and he said, okay, Luke Skywalker is going to not be part of this movie until the very end. Nobody's going to know where he is. And then I'm just going to stick the next guy with the whole idea of, you know, <laughs> so maybe that's why he found a desolate island in the middle of nowhere and said, yeah, find your way out of this one, buddy. <laughs> You're going to have to create something around this. I just don't believe that. I think there's a general outline there. I think there's a general feeling just based upon that that conversation that I've read about between Kathleen Kennedy and J.J. Abrams. Yeah. That who is he now? Abrams outlined that. I'm sure there's some creative license and things can be tweaked, but I bet you everything goes through Lucasfilm. And there is a general idea of who Luke Skywalker is and how he's going to uh, change during the course of the movie and what effect Ray will have on him. And then the smaller gaps that are there would be left for the director of that film to fill in. Jim, this has got to be the longest opening monologue to a podcast five six minutes in and by the way you're listening to the cantina this is brian and that's jim and if you know our shtick about this podcast is our the only thing we're consistent about is being inconsistent so if we want to have a five minute monologue we'll go ahead and do that i think we should go for seven 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 minutes yeah. Maybe episode seven. In honor of episode. So this is, well, uh, I don't know if this is technically episode four or five. I guess I guess the collecting episode we did with with uh, Chris Letty, Vintage Viewport, was, was kind of our, our episode four. So we're even inconsistent in how we number our podcasts. Well, there's no consistency here and there never will be. Anyways, just kind of just tying a bow a little bit on, on EW stuff. I mean, we're... Like we've said a lot of times before, too. I mean, these are conversations that Jim and I would be having anyways. We just happen to have a lot of fancy microphones and some audio editing software. That is so frustrating, Jim. <laughs> I feel like we spend so much time getting prepared to check all the audio every single time. We, we probably lose a whole lot of valuable conversation that we probably could be capturing. We'll get it at some point. It's only episode... 4.5 or whatever it is that we just figured out this is going to be numbered and uh, I think 5 let's yeah, go with 5 yeah 5 was a good episode in the, the Star Wars uh, Empire Strikes lineage, Back I would say yeah yeah we have a hofty goal so what do we got going on let's let's uh, we'll be inconsistent let's talk about what's going on at the Brick City Blockade I don't know there's a bunch of stuff coming up Force Friday 2 hmm. Robin and Jared Chilson just had their Kind of like a, a preview about, you know, 28 minutes of just uh, Jared has a lot of good information of kind of like what's coming down the pipeline and the three and three quarter scale, the six inch black series. I mean, I, there's a little bit of leaks out there with, with some Funko stuff. I mean, we don't have to go through the list. I mean, go and listen to the most recent podcast. But out of any of those things there, Jim, is there anything like you've got on your like your must have list at this point? I got to have Thrawn. Thrawn, uh, yeah, yeah, I think you and I both missed, well, we didn't miss it because it hasn't even been made available yet, but 
the uh, that exclusive. I gotta ask you though. I mean, and I feel like we. I do want to talk to you about the Thrawn novel too. I feel like we're out of that like That's spoiler right. territory. Yeah. yeah. Um, we both had the chance to to read that. We really haven't even talked about this, so that would be interesting. We're already all over the place. I, I mean, if you had the choice between getting, knowing what you have to spend for each of them, and and I happen to look at what the going rate is on on eBay or Flea Bay, whatever you want to call it now, <laughs> with what that that Thrawn's going for. Knowing that it's north of $100, approaching $150, with all the little doodads and stuff that are included with it, or the the basic one. I mean, Jim, what, which one would you have? I would actually go for the basic. That's the um, one I'd do, too. Um, I'm fine with that. Um, I think overall, I, I, I loved the Thrawn character in, obviously, the original Timothy Zahn books, which are no longer canon. The Thrawn novel, I enjoyed it. But beyond that, I will be picking up the Luke and Speeder as well as uh, Ray and Speeder as well, right? Is coming out. Is yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. I, I haven't, I haven't heard if it's definitively going to be out there on Force Friday. There's actually a, some rumors and stuff going along too, where I believe Jason over at Yakface.com. If you have, if you're a collector and you don't know about Yakface, shame on you. But go check that out. But I mean, they have, uh, they get reports you know just collectors and stuff and, and they'll give them tips and tip things off and you know, on their Facebook page and social media but somebody got a hold of a like a planogram for for target hmm. and uh, you know showed a lot of what the characters are going to be and how many pegs and stuff and that doesn't really excite me all that much but what concerns me is there wasn't much space devoted for the black series figures and there's a strong indication that Come September 1st, when we go out there, that first wave of the Black Series may not actually be available yet for one reason or another. The look on your face says it all. I I don't like hearing that. I don't. I mean, I just went through the whole 40th anniversary, which without you, I think I'd be missing about four figures. You somehow managed to wrangle up even a Han Solo in a clearance section at a Walgreens for me at one point somehow. That's not how Uh, the force works. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, that it's just. But I can understand from a retailer's perspective because they're still, I mean, I think they're literally trying to hand out Jyn Ursos and Cassian Andors at Targets now. Like, we'll give you a $5 off coupon if you just take this out of our store. <laughs> Here's a $5 uh, gift card. Yes. You can actually spend it on this. I've seen a couple <laughs> of them for, uh, I've seen some reports as low as like, you know, two ninety six or something like yeah. that. The ones I've seen were like four ninety five. I mean, for a $20 retail figure, I mean, that's a steal. If you don't have either of them, I believe both you and I have both of them. Yeah. Uh, they're good figures. And I mean, if you're you're going to pay for less than you would for a three and three quarter figure, I mean, they are. They're just everywhere. I was at, you know, Walt Disney World in, in May this year. They couldn't give them away down at the, the stores down there. I mean, they yeah. had literally nothing else but Jenner, so and Cassian Andor. And they're just piling up. Yeah. And so I think from a retailer's perspective, they have to look at that and say, wow, we took a beating here and we're going to be more cautious about this particular line of toys. You know, they're not worried about the three and three quarter or three and a quarter inch, you know, Um, they're the six inch. I think it might just be an inventory thing that takes up more space on the rack. It does. And uh, they couldn't move them as much this last round. I mean, that's you you would like to think that they're going to learn from their mistakes and just supply better. Nope. We'll see. Yeah. the you, you mentioned it with these 40th anniversary figures. I, I happen to get a couple of them. A few of them I've got in uh, 
figure shields, plastic casing things. So I'm, I'm looking here at my Luke X-Wing and it looks very nice in that. But it looks like it's about $300. That's what it looks like from give, here. Give or take. Yeah. It's it's not it's not leaving that shelf. <laughs> Mine neither. <laughs> I, we've talked about that on a prior episode. It's like, at what point would you consider it? And, and I do think the price has kind of come back down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm sorry for, for a $20, $30 figure. I mean, yeah, it was enticing a little bit to have it be worth that much but uh no thanks i mean luke skywalker's one of my favorite characters that's well probably one of the best things in my collection and i don't have that many cool high-end things but that's uh that's right there and you had to plant that little the last time we recorded with chris letty you mentioned hey would you sell it um if it meant you know you'd have enough to buy a, a sideshow toy you know a hot toy and uh, I do have a Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker hut toy, uh, 1-6 scale, on the way sometime soon. I'm just waiting for it to ship. So, yeah, I don't know, maybe my uh, maybe my tune will change on this once I see one of those. I know Scott Inch kind of says once you start down that path, you don't really come back. It's so. a path to the dark side. Yeah, it really is. So, And he's not helping either. He really, that's a lot of peer pressure. We're really good at spending each other's money. Yeah, we are. That's what we do as Star Wars collectors, but... Kind of the same thing. I have a my I've in the most recent couple months I've really tried to move to more of a focus collector. So Luke Skywalker and Ray are, are kind of a focus of mine. Dominates most of the are my little office collect slash collecting room here. So I'll be looking for those same two figures. If I haven't across the throne, I, I think I'll probably have to do that. It it's pretty cool to see a lot of. A lot of the the vehicles and the playsets, and we'll talk specifically about that because we've already talked about that kind of on a prior show, but it is, I think it'll be interesting. I think it'll be a lot more fun than Rogue Friday was, and that really wasn't what I expected. I mean, you and I did our first uh, midnight toy run at, at Toys R Us, and... You know, there was a decent amount of people online. We talked to a couple people, you know, other Star Wars fans, but I think this one's going to be a little bit different. So, you know, I think the I think the podcast gang is is all planning on, on getting together, and, and I'm sure we'll find a way to, where there's a will, there's a way. We will podcast. We will talk to fans. My monitor will go to sleep here. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, more to come on that, but yeah. Good stuff. And I might be chiming in from a hidden location. Hidden location. Not within New Hampshire. That may or may not actually be a good place to be come Force Friday. I mean... I heard it's a pretty good place. I, I think it might be. More to come. Yeah. So, Jim, we talked a little bit about Entertainment Weekly. This is what we call in the business a segue, which talked a little bit about being down at Walt Disney World earlier this year. We got a lot of news, and it was funny. We this is we're recording this on Friday, August eighteenth. We actually originally had planned to record earlier in this week. Life happened a little bit, but we're still glad we had a chance to uh, to connect. It was funny because it was about the day we were gonna record was ex- almost to the day. About two years earlier, they had made like the big announcement, like hmm. Walt Disney World, uh, Walt Disneyland, the uh, Disneyland, excuse me. We're planning on having a dedicated, specific Star Wars land. Yes. And you turn back the clock two years and, and some of the... It was just a concept at that point. I mean, if they're going to make an announcement like that, like, yeah, it's definitely going to happen. And it's just... It's really interesting to see what's happened in the two years since. 
And we probably have about, what, another two years to go? Uh, yeah, 2019. By two years from now, I would expect the, the Disneyland Park to be open. Mm-hmm. While Disney World in Florida, from what I understand, is uh, more behind schedule. So people's general feeling right now is we're looking at the end of 2019. So the holiday season, basically, for the Florida Galaxy's Edge, as it's called, to be opening up. And with us being in New Hampshire in the Northeast, I mean, more off, more likely we're going to end up at the Walt Disney World Galaxy's Edge in Orlando, Florida. This is the Mayfax Mando from the Brick City Blockade giving you the update to the Star Wars land construction. On my recent trip to Disneyland in the past couple weeks, I took the railroad trip, which had just opened up, and I went along... And well, the, the train takes you along the backside of the park, so you get to see a little bit of, of the construction. So, to my delight, I turned around right when you're supposed to look at the Grand Canyon part. I decided to turn around and take a look at the construction of what's going on behind, uh, behind the railroad. And so, what I seem to have seen was wonderful topography of great sculpting and lots of buildings being formed it just looks like it's going to be massive and completely awesome you could see some ships being built you could see like you see steel beams just being erected all around the area so you just know that the idea that they have to immerse yourself in the star wars world is going to be true to the word and so uh what else do i have so new product that is going on in in star wars and for Disneyland is that they still have a wonderful Star Wars uh, immersive experience at the launch bay where you can see lots of costumes, uh, lots of props, very cool stuff. Like uh, like a lot of the Seven Sisters, uh, lots of things from the from the Rebels show that that you didn't think that they would have made a real replica, but they, they did, and it's completely awesome. And then also to add they just released uh, the Build-A-Droid BB-8 uh, last week, and I hope to score one of those. Also, I've no word on the D23 droids being available in the park yet, but fingers crossed for the next time I go. And they have tons of merchandise going on and lots of things to enjoy if you're a Star Wars fan. As always, Disney just absolutely loves you guys and what else and i think that will conclude my report from disneyland for this star wars fan go ahead and follow me on mayfex at mayfex mando bcb on twitter thanks you guys and may the force be with you so i mean it's it's pretty cool i mean at you know jim i know you've you we're able to secure a lot of details. We're not talking about anything that's new or breaking news. I mean, but this is really the first chance we've had to talk about there this. There is one thing that's fairly new. I mean, it isn't fairly breaking. New. It's it's something uh, that's going to be happening at, at Walt Disney World, uh, not in Hollywood Studios, not part of Galaxy's Edge. That was, I think it was just talked about within the last couple of weeks, which I don't even know if you know about, actually. I so don't think so. It'll be, so spring uh, it on me. Here. Well, I'm gonna, we'll, we'll talk about the Galaxy's Edge first. I'm going to build the suspense for you. And I, the, I think the thing that everybody wants to know besides just being at that new land once it opens is, 
what are we going to get for experiences, right? What are the attractions? And have you seen any of this? Have you seen like the the rides or anything like that that they're going to have? Yeah. So a lot of, you know, I, I know like big picture details. So I'm glad you kind of came with, uh, you know, some things that we can kind of expect. And, and I think more so not like maybe talk about like all the features, but like almost imagining yourself. I mean, your family, my family, where everybody's really big into, you know, Disney and the Disney experience. I mean, what was it, 2012 when they first announced, like, Disney was going to buy Lucasfilm? Or was Has that 2014? Been, I don't know. That might be a little bit too far maybe back. Maybe it was 2014, maybe? Maybe it was a little bit. No, they... Maybe it was. Well, anyways, yeah. so I, I still remember this day, to this day, like, texting each other. It was like almost pretty much like our two favorite things in the world combining to become one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. that was like, that was such a cool day. And then, I mean, you talk about taking the the Disney experience and, you know, I, I will say it's not for everybody. I mean, some people love it. Some people are like, nah, you know, it's a lot of money. It's not necessarily their thing. You know, for somebody that likes something that's all inclusive, somebody like myself, my background is in customer service they do it better than anybody. They do. I mean, yep. they do it better than anybody. And if you go there, I mean, the the reason why people return and are so passionate for their their brand and are advocates for that and and Disney doesn't pay people to to advertise for them, but you you talk to anybody that goes and enjoys doing it, it almost is like uh, stop talking about it. I want to go talk to my travel agent right now. I yeah. want to. I want to book a trip and, and go down. And it's just that that amazing phenomenon that they've been able to have for. I, I think Walt Disney World's existed for forty five years. Disneyland is sixty ish. Nineteen fifty something. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. this is a Star Wars podcast. I'm a little, a little fuzzy on on the details, but. I, I just conceptually, if I just think about it and just most recently having been there with uh, my family in, in May and it, and see even, even at Hollywood Studios, like what they do have for the Star Wars experience now, Star Tours, you know, they had a uh, Path of the Jedi movie that was really cool. And a lot of the banners and stuff were up around the launch bay, which is the kind of like the the character meet and greet section that you can do you can see like a a behind the scenes movie and they just have props all over the place and it's just as a star wars fan to know like it's gonna get even better i I just can't even it's hard to even imagine the you were talking about um you know just how our families both uh like disney my family's gone quite a few times and you know uh, one of the things about Disney is they're good at trying at getting you to suspend belief and the and that kind of ties into what they're trying to do with uh, Galaxy's Edge and the word that you see popping up with all three of the projects that I'm that I got notes on here is being a hundred percent immersive mm-hmm. and that's the word that you hear Disney uh, executives talking about and that kind of the the galaxy's edge is not just going to be you know you walk into Tomorrowland of uh, the Magic Kingdom yep. and yeah there might be you know they used to have this little trash can robot that walked around and was controlled from somewhere but other than that you went from attraction to attraction and there was really nothing in between. There was no interaction here. It's going to be more, I don't know. Did you see stormtroopers walking around when you were at Hollywood studios? Yep. Cause that's going to get even more 
prevalent. There's going to be more characters that actually mingle with the guests in the park, which is interesting. I I, I may have misread this. I may have been talking to uh, Chris Letty about it. I think Hondo is going to be there. Yeah. I, is he going to be voiced by Jim Cummings? Probably not, but... God, it's totally a I love the character of Hondo. He is. No, I, I've been watching Rebels. I'm about uh, five or six episodes in on season three, so I'm getting there to be completely caught up. And You did uh, at least see him in episode one of season three. Yeah, and uh, he was just in the episode I just watched. So okay, so he, you yeah. just saw yep. that one too. Yep. So. yep. And so anyway, I mean, it, it, I, as far as what they're going to have in this galaxy's edge it's we've all if you've seen any of the models of the land or even some of the concept art the thing that's been first and foremost is a life-size replica of the millennium falcon oh yeah yeah. and one of the uh attractions they have two major attractions planned for that land and one of them is a millennium falcon attraction it doesn't have a name yet but from what i've read they talk about you getting the opportunity to pilot the ship and also shoot blasters. And I can only hope that this means in some way you can get the feeling of sitting in one of those gravity wells on the Millennium Falcon and using those lasers. And just get me close to that that feeling of being in there and shooting a couple of TIE fighters. And I mean, next to flying an X-Wing down the Death Star Trench in, in real life, I think that's about as close to a, a Star Wars fan's dream that you can get. I've got a new dream, though. I'd like to be in the pilot seat of the Millennium Falcon, having Chewbacca in the co-pilot seat, and having the Porg right there. (laughs) Yeah, they get everywhere. I hear they—that's what I've heard too. I mean, and it it remains to be seen if there will be. Oh, you know, there's going to be Porgs in Galaxy's Edge somewhere. I mean, I'm not talking about merchandise because we know that's going to be there for sure. But there's like waddling around. Yeah, there's going to be a porg somewhere. I'm sure. Maybe there's going to be flocks of them. So uh, if anybody doesn't know, the the Brick City Blockade podcast network is a little, little over the top for the porg. You think? But it's so fun. What is a flock of porgs anyway? What would that? Is that like a a gaggle? A, 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 porgus, a porgus board. Oh, porgus board. I heard, right. a, I heard there's a. I heard there's a shirt. I heard there's a sticker too. I have a sticker. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and uh, you know, as far the interesting thing about this Millennium Falcon attraction is, there, there is this concept of reputation. Have you heard about this in Galaxy's Edge? With I did. Yeah. So, it, I I've heard a couple different uh, podcasters talk about this a little bit. And even they had some of the the Disney engineers that were helping build this. And, and they kind of had, as part of the D23, people were able to kind of come through. And they, they walked them through that. And they kind of said, like, it's weird, Jim, because it almost feels like it's a, um, like a role-playing game. You walk around and, like, whether they're going to tie it to, you know, for anybody that is, you know, has gone to Disney and, and gone recently, they're very big about their, their magic bands. Magic bands, yep. I mean, that's that's how they know, you know, where you are. It makes it really easy to rack up that credit card because you don't actually see the money, <laughs> leave your wallet. And then you're like, after you get home, you get a little bit of buyer's remorse saying, but, 
Did I really need that much merchandise? It is scary in that sense, but for those of you who have not been down, these magic bands are um, radio frequency, and like Brian said, you can use them to purchase things, but they're also, it's kind of scary, because I think they pretty much know where you are at every given second while you're wearing those in the park, (laughs) and there are some other rides where they do have a little bit of interaction with them, Mm -hmm. but in this case, if you, uh, let's say, return the Millennium Falcon with a little bit more than a scratch, if we're thinking of Han and Lando's... uh, Maybe you're missing a a radar dish. Maybe. Maybe. But uh, if that happens, apparently you will end up on something called the Bounty Hunter list, which is going to affect your reputation, which could make things a little difficult if perhaps you venture into the cantina shortly after or anything like that. So what you do in attractions and interacting with characters throughout the park can actually affect your experience later on in the day, which I think is pretty cool. I mean... That is that's some next level stuff. I mean that that is gonna make uh, just going there. I mean, as we're you know as we're talking, you know, I'm talking with my wife, and we're thinking about maybe. Obviously, we went earlier this year in May. We're talking about potentially the next time we go. It's probably gonna coincide with the you know the Galaxy's Edge uh, being available, which I'm not sure I really want to deal with all the crowds because I mean it's gonna be insane, mobbed, mobbed, and for a, a for a while. Like I don't even know how long you can actually wait. I don't even know. I mean, I think the only thing that's gonna compare to this, and I think this is gonna be probably twice as popular. And I know Jim, you've been to Universal Studios, but yes. you know the Harry Potter Land, yeah with just when that opened and how busy that was and you know i think as they've expanded it it's it's been able to kind of absorb more people but i just envision that this you know galaxy's edge could also have that that type of feel early on where it's a lot of you're in there it's cool but you're kind of like nudging along because you're shoulder to shoulder with everybody yeah and i i think it will be i'm not going to be able to wait i've been waiting for Disney. I mean, Star Tours has been there forever, and I've been waiting for Disney to take advantage of, or somebody to take advantage of, such a huge movie franchise and build upon it. I was so frustrated when they announced Avatar Land at Animal Kingdom years and years ago, and I'm sitting there going, we got one free, and I understand it's a very high-grossing film, but for the love of God, do something more with Star Wars. And um, so I've been waiting a long time for this. I'm ready to go. I don't care about the crowds. I will be there and I will be one of the lemmings packed into tight spaces to see the Millennium Falcon and, you know, interact with some of the characters. I just, you know, maybe I'll wait a, a month or two after it opens, but I'll be there shortly after. The other attraction, which is interesting, uh, which there isn't as much information on. There's not a lot about the Millennium Falcon one, but even less about there's a Star Destroyer attraction. I haven't heard that one. Yeah. Uh, so this is the other major attraction. And uh, it apparently takes place inside a hangar bay. It's going to be set in the time of the First Order. So okay. that's the you know the trilogy that we're in there. But this is the interesting part. It's being billed as built on a scale that guests have not encountered before in a Disney, sp- in a Disney park. So when I think they... I think what they're getting at there is... You know, when Poe, I think we've mentioned this scene from Force Awakens, Poe gets taken off the shuttle after he's taken prisoner. He walks into that hangar bay and he's looking around like, damn. Well, I think that's going to be us. I think they're going to try to get that feeling in us when I hear something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, God, that'd be even that would be so cool. I mean, they've already talked about 
my again details are a little fuzzy here but isn't it like like a 14 acre expansion it's the largest expansion in their history yeah and i mean it's it's going to become i mean i'm not even sure if they're going to call it hollywood studios anymore in orlando it's probably going to be uh, galaxy's edge they are actually going to change the name really uh, they I haven't are heard that one no they are changing the name of the park it's not known i believe what they're changing the name to yet but it has been out there that the name's gonna it's not gonna change to something star wars related yeah there's a lot of changes at that park i mean i don't know if you know that the great movie ride which is the not so great movie ride uh has actually closed i think it just closed within the last couple of days so there's a lot of changes happening yeah i think it was last uh last fr- one yeah it was within the last week uh yep. my wife and i were kind of scanning the news and i was like Wow. I mean, it just stinks. I mean, like you said, it's not the best ride ever. I know it's been one that we always check out when we're down oh, there. Oh, you got to do it. Yeah. And um, there are some pretty cool parts to it, and they do... Alien. Yeah. They're alien, the parts in there, but they do have a couple clips about Star Wars at the end, and it's just like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, it's so funny. Like, we're still a couple, you know, at least, like you said, probably two, two and a half years out at this point if we're looking at holiday season... Uh, 2019 and and the possibilities about this are are just endless because we we already feel immersed in this fandom and this community that there's however there's hundreds and probably thousands of, of star wars podcasts out there and this the ability that we all have to you know want to have a voice out there and again i'll give a quick little uh plug time before it's even plug time to go check out uh, robin vote and scott cinch uh recent podcast they did about uh positivity which was uh so well done but we just have this ability to have this this shared experience and and i think i i don't blame disney for trying to capitalize on that I, i think like you said it's 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 been a long time coming yeah and just there's even Talking about and all kidding aside, and we we joked about the the porgs a little bit ago. If you're out on social media and you're out on on Twitter, as just much as much love as there is for the porg, I mean they're so damn cute. A lot of people are already fed up with them. They're well, like, yeah. I mean, in any in any fandom, there is, um, and one of the great things about the podcast network we have is we try to stay positive about things and you know some people may have hate for things like the prequels and that slips into their conversation every once in a while but for the most part we all remain pretty positive <laughs> and the porgs are i mean when you look at them i think they're i'm very interested to see how they're used in the movie but i think there's a certain segment of the fan base out there and just goes oh great look we have ewoks again um well it is like know? an ewok and a penguin mated but, yeah, yeah but the, the the funny thing is is uh, you know, love him or hate him, Pablo Hidalgo, part of the Lucasfilm story group. You know, somebody had the nerve, and a lot of people have nerve to to tweet at him, and and I, I don't know how he does it. He just takes on everything. I mean, he does give us little tidbits of clarification here and there, but somebody had the gall to tweet at him and say the Porgs are just another merchandising ploy. He goes something to the extent of. Well, I'm I'm sorry. I guess you know the person with uh, four high-end uh, custom lightsabers is also uh, you know subject to the the marketing <laughs> ploy that that is here. And I mean it's it's true. I mean every part of it is. I mean there's a reason why. And 
if you look at every single Star Wars film and even ones that were the characters you know, remain the same. They all have different costumes. I mean, even in the original trilogy, go, go back to you see any image of yeah. one of these characters and you know exactly what film it's in because they have very distinct and different costumes because it, it sell, you know, it helps identify the movie. It helps sell more action figures. It's just, it's just what they do. If anybody is complaining about that, they should have been complaining about that since the 19 late 1970s. Because if you go back and I bet you Chris Letty could, have more uh, details on this than me but uh, there are a lot of toys that came out probably in the late 70s because it was after the first batch of the original figures that were just made up vehicles that never were conceptualized like the, the, the or, troop transport yeah and the mini all kinds rigs. of stuff that were just i mean not only is it every costume change like you're mentioning and every single vehicle and variation of a vehicle and you know just the hoth play set but it's there's all kinds of stuff that they did back in the early 80s late 70s that was just to sell toys that just because it had star wars written on it so it's nothing new when it comes to star wars so i can understand somebody's complaint but i i sure hope they're being consistent and they've been complaining about it since 1980 because it's been that way with this franchise forever this franchise will ever forever be tied to merchandise it will so we love the porgs jim we love Galaxy's Edge. We don't know about it. So what else you got in there? Well, the last thing about Galaxy's Edge um, is when you were, you've gone to Universal Studios and you've seen Harry Potter. No, you haven't. We haven't. They have a thing where you can get uh, wands and then there's certain spots within the lands where you can uh, move your wand in a certain way and you'll cast a spell and there's Mm -hmm. like video screens or live action props that do things when you do it the right way. Magic Kingdom has something called um, Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom where it, it there's like certain spots you can stand and there's cards involved that you get when you walk into the park in a certain place and interact with different characters on a video screen as part of it. Um, rumored to be some type of interactive experience like that throughout Galaxy's Edge that you can partake in, which the this is the speculative part. The, the, the rumor is that this is going to happen. It sounds like it's pretty much confirmed. The speculative part is it may or may not involve having a lightsaber. Um, in order to interact with these things. So it sounds like an interesting way. Again, this is something that is going to affect your reputation throughout the park if you choose to do this part of it. But uh, pretty much that's that's all that's out there about it. I recommend anybody who hasn't go and look at the YouTube videos that are out there. Of They had a huge model at D23 of this land. Like to scale. Yeah, and go check it out because there are some very cool kind of small camera flow throughs going through the land and you just see the way they have it set up and you know I don't know how any star fan wouldn't uh, star wars fan wouldn't be excited to see that one of the other things not in hollywood studios the thing i was mentioning earlier kind of the next big thing with entertainment in general vr virtual reality and have you heard about what's coming in for virtual reality i have not there is a um, there's a company called the void Mm-hmm. which has done a Ghostbusters VR experience, which um, I think started in New York City, and now they have a few other locations around. They're, they're um, headquartered out of Utah, so there's one in Utah, and there's one in Toronto, and there's one in another country, which I guess has done pretty well. And ILM has teamed up with them to do uh, Star Wars Secrets of the Empire, which is when you think VR, you might think of a consumer VR experience where you put the headset on, you tried the Oculus that I have in my house where you're tied into the computer. This is a little different. This is free moving. So you have a VR headset on 
However, you also have a blaster in your hand and you have a vest on and you're not wired. You can move around. And the interesting thing that this company, The Void, does is in the game, if you see a railing or a wall, mm -hmm. they incorporate real life railings and walls. So when you walk up to that in the game and you reach out, you'll be able to put your hand on that wall or that wow. railing. So they kind of like intertwine your physical surroundings to the flow of the attraction. It's going to be at Disney Springs, which is the marketing and dining area. Uh, so it's not actually in one of the parks. You don't have to pay a park admission to get in there. Like I said, it's free moving. So you're not going to be tied into ever anything. And the, really, there's only one piece of concept art out there besides any of this to see what it looks like. And it shows people in the VR headsets with the vests and blasters and they're shooting at stormtroopers. And there is a droid that uh, looks uh, conspicuously exactly, I should say, like K2SO. So we can only hope oh. <laughs> that he is your guide through here with all of his snarky comments. And voiced by Alan Tudyk. Yes. Tudyk. Oh, I can. I, I really hope. So that I, I'm actually kind of psyched for that. And I would love to see it maybe not just be in Florida and just like this Ghostbusters experience is in four different places now. Maybe we'll get something a little close to home. Maybe Boston. That would be nice. Only yeah. 45 I would, minutes away. Uh, I would. I'm not a big city guy, but I would drive to Boston uh, a lot yeah. to, to see something like that. And so. this VR thing is supposed to be this intertwining of VR and physical. Uh, there's actually a place in Woburn that is doing a zombie apocalypse type just like this that's opening i think this month or next month so not far that's woburn is just outside of boston for those of you that aren't in the area so you know that should be interesting as well but the thing that i'm most excited about that's coming down there that was also announced at d23 the star wars themed boutique hotel yeah we haven't even talked about that at all yeah that this is um, this is very cool because the the quote that's been out there from uh, Disney executives is from the second you arrive you're a part of the Star Wars universe. This is going to involve not just the cast members being in costume, but they want you to dress up when you come in here, and it's going to be a story. As soon as you get there, they say you're you become citizens of the galaxy. You should dress up in costume, and the hotel is going to be a ship. You're going to feel like you're on a ship when you see windows. You're not going to be looking outside. You're going to be looking into space. And it's not just cast members at the front desk or your room service guys, or maybe it's even a droid. That would be nice. But there are going to be people, from what I understand, around in the hotel, like you're really in a bustling Star Wars galaxy that are essentially going to be actors, right? I mean, yeah. that's call it what it is. And they're going to be living out these storylines around you, and you will have some kind of specific experience unique to you by the end of this but essentially it's going to be a couple of days of being part of the star wars galaxy and again the, the phrase they keep using is 100 percent immersive it's rumored to be connected to the galaxy's edge mm -hmm. so you will actually carry this experience into the park if you're staying there there may be things you need to do in the park as part of your specific quest the story is you're going to end up being able to pick light side dark side in maybe a third option who knows i would think bounty hunter something like that yeah would be pretty cool the only the catch because there's a catch can you guess what the catch is i bet you it costs a lot of galactic credits it does cost a lot of galactic credits i'm not sure what public the credits aren't yeah. good no no and uh it, so we're pretty much looking at about a thousand bucks per person for probably a two-night stay and that's, you know, that's still not concrete. It could be more than that. I actually, there's a travel agent I've used for years whenever we do Disney stuff. She's an expert. 
and she's great to work with. I've already reached out to her and said, look, as soon as you know when this thing is going to start booking, tell me, tell me how much it is and we're just going to go. It's kind of funny because my son isn't a fan of the part where you have to dress up and uh, <laughs> he's 11 going on like 16 pretty much. And uh, so he was a little disparaged when uh, my wife and I both said, well, OK, well, we'll just go without you because we're not missing out on this. <laughs> like you don't you don't want to dress up. You can stay in New Hampshire because we're going and we're going to dress up too bad. <laughs> so uh, but that is something that I think is going to be very cool. I mean, I, I will definitely eat that up. I will uh, I will save my galactic credits between now and then to make sure that I can be down there within a couple of months of it opening. Yeah, the demand for that is just going to be amazing. And yeah, I I've, I literally have no words about that. It's just like, you know, from what I did here and, and some extra information that you were able to, to bring here, Jim, uh, it's going to be exciting. I mean, that's the one thing, you know, for us, for anybody that has, you know, whether you're a new Star Wars fan, whether you've been a fan since the beginning, whether, you know, whenever. I mean, everybody has always imagined themselves as a particular character. And, to you know, we were talking about a little bit ago about how cool it would be to do the trench run in an X-Wing fighter or to, to pilot the Millennium Falcon. But to to feel like you're actually not even just in a, in a Star Wars movie, but you're, you know, in a 360 degree experience that and if it's done right and if it's done the disney way Hmm. and i would say i already have 100 percent confidence in this because if if disney has agreed to do this and these are the details we have two years out this is gonna be uh worth every single penny i think yeah i mean i it's hard to put a price tag on it disney will have no problem doing so but it's hard for me to determine at what point would i not want to experience that for two nights you know from you walk in everything's themed like a ship your rooms are themed like a star wars being on a star in a star wars ship cabin uh you know there's a cantina there's everything wherever you go it is going to feel like you are actually in the star wars universe i don't know that's just uh, it, it's kind of hard to beat that to me and to experience it for an extended period of time with a company such as you said with Disney where they try to do everything right. They don't always succeed, no. um, but they they usually do a pretty damn good job at this kind of stuff. So um, I'm excited to see it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So uh, as we get more information, uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk about it, you know, on, on a future podcast. But, you know, it's it's been a little bit since we've had a chance to, to chat, Jim. Like we mentioned, it's been, you know, basically since D23 was the last time that we officially uh, got together and chat. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff going out. I mean, we talked about, you know, the Entertainment Weekly stuff that we got last week. You know, there's whether you believe some of the rumors that are out there or not, or potentially some of the other, you know, projects that are out there. I think as kind of a, as a as a collective fan group, I think we're kind of waiting to see some more concrete evidence before we feel like we can kind of talk about it. I'm not beating around the bush. I'm kind of talking about the Obi-Wan film, you know, where there's, it it might happen. And to, to anybody that's been dialed into Star Wars fandom, I mean, that's what everybody wanted to see happen announced at Star Wars celebration. And when it wasn't at Star Wars celebration, everybody wanted it to be at D 23 and everybody was in a in a fur when everybody thought Ewan McGregor was at Disneyland the day of, <laughs> like when they were going to do that. And, you know, 
he's rumored to be in the uh I think they're going to be doing like a uh, not like a live action Winnie the Pooh, but it's going to be something about Christopher Robin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, he's going to be involved with that project. So I don't know. I mean, we, we I guess we could talk about it a little bit, but I mean, it was just pure speculation at this point. I mean, I, I am fine with just waiting. I, I love the angle that everybody's taken on this within our, our podcast group where it's let's wait until Disney says something. Yeah, let's not. I mean, everything that's out there is, you know, they're in talks to get a director. And I mean, it just sounds like so wishy washy, really, to be honest with you. And there's a few different people reporting it. But then some of the details that they're reporting don't exactly jive. If you look at the other movies that might be in development, they don't have the same. They don't match up. So, I mean, let's just wait on that and and just see when Disney finally is ready to announce something and and what it is, though. I will say if it does turn out to be Obi-Wan. It does make me worry a little bit about the whole you and I thinking Rey is a Skywalker. Because I swear to God, the reason they don't want to announce this movie is if it is Obi-Wan is because it's somehow going to tell us about how Rey is a Kenobi. Because it would make sense if we talked about this. There'd be a lot of explaining to do if she was a Kenobi. Yep. And I just talked about it with Katie McFarlane. Um, She made actually a pretty compelling case to say like, hey, maybe it is. I walked away from that conversation rethinking my 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 stance on and then of course now we we see in Anthony Bresnikan's excellent coverage of the fall movie preview with, with EW and of course that that sly little Mark Hamill you know they're you know Ray talks about going to to meet your hero and they're not always what they expect and that he doesn't know her and then, of course, you know, Mark Hamill's sitting there kind of throwing her elbow or does he not know her? You know, just like, yeah, he's having a blast with this. I mean, it just it's just another reason to love Mark Hamill. And, and you know, in this and we don't we don't talk politics and stuff uh, as a podcast who stick to Star Wars. But in, even in this day and age when things are just they they seem like they're at, it, at its darkest. I mean, you have somebody. You know, we talk about that that positivity that you can bring and you can have a, a positive impact on others and and, and try to, to see the good in things. I mean, that is Mark Hamill persona 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 personified personified. We got gotcha. you. I'm not even going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I agree. It, it, he is a he's a figurehead of the series. You and I are. Uh, that's really the reason we love star wars as much as we do is because of his character and i guess that's one thing i'm worried about with the last jedi is maybe um maybe it's a whole movie of him being that crotchety old guy there's gonna be some there's gonna be some get off my lawn moments don't get me wrong but when and i'm not trying to like overanalyze like what he has said and what ray excuse me what mark hamill said you know daisy ridley is ray to me what daisy ridley has said what Ryan Johnson has kind of said about this where, you know, the, the expectations aren't there, but if I dial it back and I think about a, a, a character study of Luke Skywalker, Ryan Johnson, we haven't, we've seen, we've seen a, uh, a, a teaser trailer and we've seen a behind the scenes reel and what I've seen and heard of him speak and in just the, the fandom he is and the type of person he appears to be, I've got 150% and 200% confidence in him that he's going to deliver us a great movie. That's a lot of confidence. I don't it know is, if you know that. That's a lot of it's confidence. It's actually m- more than 
Yeah, you're right. It is. You are right. That that is more. <laughs> Anyways, getting back on track here, but we talk, you know, you, you talked about like that 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 conversation that Kathleen Kennedy and JJ Abrams had, like, who is Luke Skywalker? I mean, that's basically what convinced JJ Abrams he was on the fence about actually doing the project or not. He decided to do it because that was a compelling reason to make a new trilogy. Is and we talked about a little bit about where whether it's just Mark Hamill talking about you know like the chosen one gets kind of thrown around and whether he made a mistake thinking that Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren was the next chosen one. I don't really care about that part yet. I mean, yes, the character of Kylo Ren is is compelling, but did he feel like he screwed up so badly that he needed to isolate himself? And I mean, what what Jim? What is the compelling reason for him to? to be on this island all by himself with a bunch of cute little cuddly porgs, some fish lizard looking women with none clothing on and uh, probably nothing else to eat but porgs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of surprised with the caretakers that you mentioned. I was surprised to find out that there were caretakers. I don't know about you walking out of the force awakens. I was like, man, that guy, he's been on that island that's hardcore roughing it right there i mean he was on the island by himself um i assumed he was ordering takeout or something in order to eat um and then all of a sudden there's porgs there's caretakers i'm surprised at how much life there is around him on that island um and though anybody that hasn't read the entertainment weekly it sounds like the caretakers don't really care that much for luke being there i don't know if you they, caught that I, yeah part. i did I'm they're kind of annoyed too because yeah. that was one thing that kind of like they 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 put up with him basically yeah yeah they they tolerate him Tol- that's the yeah word, that, that so. might be yeah um but yeah no he who is he now um but the thing it, is too like i guess the other point i was trying to make as i just banged my microphone here the the point i was trying to make too is they have to do a service to the character that we grew up with he is not a coward no he is a good personified because I'm now going to get that word correct only on my second time this time they can't do anything that is going to make us view the original trilogy differently it has to be something that's happened to him actually afterwards it has to be some event some thing that happened that that would cause us to view him differently but I they just I don't know it, it, he is going to you think about this character and his Jedi training consisted of, you know, in the movie, it was about probably 15 minutes before Kenobi uh, bit the dust with Vader uh, in that movie with him. And his training beyond that was self-taught or maybe there was a little bit of force ghost uh, training in between movies and and whatnot. And, and, the, and of course, Yoda. Jedi, well, that wasn't that good. Yeah. And then Yoda, of course, you know, yep. he did get a decent amount of training from Master Yoda. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot that he had to do on his own. When you think of uh, the prequel era and before that, there were plenty of Jedi and Master Jedis and Padawans and lots of people to learn from and lots of people who knew the history and what a Jedi was supposed to be. I'll put that in quotation marks because we've kind of talked about what the Jedi Order may have become by that point before. He had to do a lot of that on his own. And maybe he felt like he had got to the point where he could do it and then to see it crumble around him like that and also he didn't all he might not only feel the failure of being a jedi master he 
also has to feel the failure of his nephew falling. Mm-hmm. The the son of his two closest friends in the galaxy, and he feels responsible for him going to the dark side. I think those two things alone would send anybody, no matter how great and how good that person is, to want to become a, a, a hermit, really, to just withdraw from everybody around him. Because it's not just, it's it's two different types of failure. It is a monumental failure really, that he might be faced with feeling like he is the sole reason that has happened. And wanting to withdraw, feeling like if he withdraws, he can't do any more harm to those people. Somebody on... I want to say... What podcast was it? Because I'm usually bad about actually uh, crediting the right person. I want to say it was uh, Alan uh, Voivod, who we met at the uh, the Fisher Cats game here in New Hampshire, Star Wars 7x7. And uh, he had an interesting take about a week or so ago plus of that potentially, like we've talked about before, Jim, that potentially he is maybe now like one of the most powerful force users that the galaxy has ever seen. I mean, basically the son of the chosen one, or you could argue actually is the chosen one, that the way that the force balances things out, if there is on one end somebody that is that powerful... The force may decide to get balanced again that there has to be somebody equally as powerful one could argue that that may end up being snoke Mm -hmm. and maybe if luke decided if i am that powerful and if i withdraw then i will take myself out of the game and then there won't be somebody on the other side trying to you know, to use any sort of like a sports analogy um you know it's no secret jim you and i are in new hampshire we're both big New England Patriots fans. Obviously, we view the, our team a little bit differently than the rest of the country does. I mean, yeah, you a know, little essentially bit. like the New York Yankees of the 1990s and early 2000s. Everybody hates them, but what ends up happening is when you have a team that good, everybody else is trying to go, you know, go for them. And if Luke is that, I've never thought about comparing Luke Skywalker to the New England Patriots before, but if, if that's the case then he is enticing beings in the galaxy to, you know, be drawn to him. And if he takes himself out of the game, then he might be saying, even though I'm, I'm doing this and I know that my friends need me in the galaxy, needs me in the Republic and the resistance and, and everything. But he's like, if I take myself out of the game, then there's going to be less likelihood that somebody's going to try to be my equal. Well, in just the idea, the theory that you just brought up from Star Wars 7x7, I thought of something similar as far as Luke kind of withdrawing and thinking if I disappear, the maybe the dark side will scale back and disappear as well, mm-hmm. um, and that will balance things out. And it does kind of tie into that comment that we all saw in the trailer of uh, it's time for the Jedi to end, because maybe his feeling is, hey, if I go and I'm the last Jedi and I pass away peacefully on this island, the only way the Force can balance itself without any more Jedi, there's no Jedi that I could train, is that the dark side would fade away. Maybe it's the will of the Force that reigns after all of those events is the one that ended up on his island. Right, right, and that's the way... I mean, there's so many ways to look at this, but as far as what is going on in Luke's mind, I completely believe that... He was planning on living out his days 
on that island, never returning. And maybe he believed that when he faded away, that the dark side would fade away as well. And because it's not just time for the Jedi to end, it's time for the dark side to end in his mind. And you can't, if you defeat the dark side and you stay, there's just going to be another rise to power for another Sith because mm-hmm. it has to be even. The only way to happen for it to be truly balanced out is there needs to be both or there needs to be none. And I think you make a compiling argument of a lot of the actors that are involved with this film. You know, you've got John Boyega saying, you know, Ryan Johnson is doing something that new to Star Wars that just hasn't been done before that it makes it takes what we know and love and actually looks at it in a new way and it, i think it's a buzzword that just doesn't really ever makes a lot of sense but makes it fresh i don't think star wars needs to be fresh i mean it's 40 years old for Craig's sakes and you know here we are and we're still talking about it like it's brand new hmm. yes definitely i don't know it's gonna be exciting jim well I, let I me s- ask you this if you were gonna put money on one thing to happen in the last jedi you tell me one thing that you feel is the odds on, I'll bet my house on it. It can be as as big of a detail or as small of a detail, you know, within reason. You know, don't say that somebody's going to ignite a lightsaber or something like that. We all know that's going to happen. But give me one thing that you just think you're going to see when you walk into that theater in December. That's tough. I don't know. This isn't gonna. This isn't answering your question. I'm actually sidestepping oh, the question, by the way. But chicken. did you see that image of uh, <laughs> Chewbacca in the the cockpit of this different looking vehicle? That was gonna be my one thing. And he's got a That's feather it. hanging out of his mouth, and it's probably just something that just happened to be blown no. by frame. No, no. You, you think see, he eats a pork? He does. If you read the Entertainment Weekly article, they talk about how he's cranky because he is really messed up because he lost Han Solo. Ah, as he and should he, be. And he's cranky too. They mentioned. I think that was the word they used in there. So I'm telling you what these little things are everywhere that little guy's going to be in that cockpit he's going to be having a bad day and he's going to be hungry and we all know how people get when they're hungry imagine a wookie when he's hungry and look at the thing that he went after in return of the jedi that sprung that <laughs> net trap you're telling me that a poor you're does, thinking with your stomach that's right porgs don't look more appetizing than that mystery meat on a stick that he went after he is so gonna eat that porg and i just picture ray walking into that Millennium Falcon cockpit afterwards and just giving him a look like where did, you gotta be kidding me where did, you, you where did, did not where? just eat that <laughs> as long as she doesn't make him spit it out I will be fine because I don't I don't want the the wet porg being stuck to the glass uh, you know uh, cockpit of the Millennium Falcon Chewy, Chewy what happened to yeah. Porgy the Porg yes Porgy the Porg he's gotta have a better name than that I don't know I don't have George a the Porg or George something. the Porg George yeah. the Porg probably yeah yeah George the Porg yeah, I like so, it uh, but yeah, that's that. That would actually that was gonna be one my one thing is if you turn that question back, I was gonna say Chewie eats a pork. That's that's gonna happen. I don't know. I just as as excited as I am about this, I don't. I, I it, it's it's so hard. I'm like almost at a loss for you know words putting on a kind of spot. What I, what do I think is actually gonna happen? I, I don't know. That's the thing that we say it all the time too. We don't we don't pretend to know. We don't partake. There are sites out there that do specialize in that if you are curious and if you do if you don't care to see spoilers there's some stuff out there you can see already personally i I tend not to do it sometimes i'm get i have to really fight that willpower to not do it and i don't necessarily know if it distracts from the movie going experience i think almost if anything every time the first time i see a star wars movie 
I, I'm trying to be there as a fan and be excited, but I'm taking it all in and I just, I, I can't almost enjoy it the first time because of how we are. If you're listening to this podcast and if you're the type of fan that we are at the Brick City Blockade, that you're, you're trying to pick up everything and it's just, it's almost that second time around, you're just like, ah. You know, you can just like, you don't have to sit there and stress about what's going to happen because you know the plot at that point and then you can kind of just enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, thinking back to The Force Awakens because we saw it obviously opening night. Um, I think Rogue One. Yeah, it, well, Rogue One I was a little more relaxed with because it wasn't using those, you know, there were no original characters in it. And I just kind of went into it more blind. You know, I read some stuff about it, but I was able to withdraw a little bit because it wasn't Luke Skywalker. It wasn't Han Solo that were going to be in it. Um, you know, with this one, Force Awakens, uh, I was in the showing, I think, right after you in our local theater. Or did we go to see that together? I remember. I think I saw it show right after you. Yeah. Rogue One, we went together. And then uh, and then we went to see it the next night as well. And I completely agree. You use the right term. It's almost stressful in a way. You watch it and you're, you're just stressed out like you know, how is this movie going to be? And I hope it's something that I really enjoy. And then I went the very next day to see it again. And um, yeah, you just go in and you can enjoy it that much more. Me, I think it might just be, in my case, feeling like I got burned a little bit with some of the other movies. Um, but I mean, why track record-wise so. too, I mean, at this point, I I guess, I, like as excited as I am about The Last Jedi, I'm also quietly confident about it just because now we have a two movie track record of you know the force awakens and, and rogue one yeah. lived up to expectations it's like people really worried about the han solo movie as well and i'm just like don't worry about it just go and see the movie and then judge it there's nothing you worrying about it you complaining about it you saying that it's going to be great none of that matters when you finally sit in the theater and you see the movie that is when you can pass your judgment about what actually happens and it's it's just so odd to me that people got so worried about that movie Mm -hmm. and it's just i mean quite honestly it's a movie that i could take or leave it's not a movie i would have picked to say yeah this is the next standalone movie for me but i'll go into it and i'm gonna hope it's gonna be good and uh, we'll see where it goes. But it's that was a really strange reaction when that whole the, the directors got fired and Ron Howard was brought on and uh, people just really got upset about that and worried. And I'm just like, hey, I, I almost view that as a good thing, because if that means that somebody's watching over this film and they said, hey, this is not going in the right direction. This is not our vision. Mm-hmm. We're going to let you go. We're going to bring somebody like Ron Howard in to to write the ship and make this into the the type of movie that we want this Star Wars franchise to have to do this name justice. And beyond that, I'm like I'm just going to wait to see what the movie's like. I just had a thought and I just lost it. You were blinded by the amazing point that I was making about Han Solo. I'm very sorry. Oh. And I'll leave this in cuz I don't feel like editing a lot of this out. This is the the, the raw take. This is all just one take at this point. I was going to say, too, like, it's an underrated uh, human characteristic to admit mistakes. Yeah. I, I think in this day and age, not everybody's right. We're all human. We all make mistakes. But I, I think my my increased level of confidence in something like this is to say, like you just said, Jim, this isn't working out. If we cut off our nose in spite of our face and just continue on this path... That's how I feel like a lot of big blockbuster movies just end up on the scrap heap or they just get when they get released and everyone's just like, you just 
spent this much time out of your life. I mean, time is money. Yeah. I mean, if you think about at that point when it's just like, nah, you know, we, we spent all this time and all this energy and all this money, but we're past the point of no return. So let's just screw it. Let's just release it. I, I'm just, that's the part that boggles my mind. Like myself personally, like if I, if I'm doing something, I know it's not going to turn out well. I'd rather stop what I'm doing and whether I even I have to start completely over. It's just like, I don't know that, that that's the part that boggles my mind a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I just, uh, you kind of, we've kind of hinted at it. You know, we just, we trust that company. Uh, like you said, there's a two movie track record right now during rogue one. Everybody got worried about the extensive reshoots and look what we got. We got a fantastic movie. So I'm, I'm taking the same approach that I had with that movie. It paid off on that one. Um, I believe that I, you know, I trust if they felt that this was the change to make that they made the right choice and that the movie as an end result is going to be better for it but we won't ultimately know until that movie's released and you know who the hell cares about han solo we got the last jedi coming out in december i just you know i that's maybe why i care so little about that han solo movie is just because it i, I just it's, want to get to the last jedi yeah i mean we're oh, I, the last jedi is not worth overlooking i mean at this point so we'll we'll worry about it at the time if we need to worry about it but again as, as fans and as we talk about these things and where we try to have these constructive uh, conversations is at the end of the day, we have no control over what ends up happening. So, so if you're going to spend your time and effort in a, in a fandom like this, why not focus on the good parts, the fun parts? Exactly. Well said. And so I think in summary for everything we've talked about, uh, we talked about a lot of stuff. We did. We would recommend going to read the Entertainment Weekly articles online, right? Because yeah, the so print got the kinda... print got. I don't know, Jim. Like, I guess for me, maybe I missed the Force Awakens one, and the Rogue One was released way earlier in the summer, so it wasn't. I don't feel like it had a lot of meat to it to say, but like a lot of the stuff that Anthony Breslin writ, wrote, writ, wrote, writ, wrote online and had video, like there's probably about a third of that in. The, the new Stan one. You know, I've got both here. I mean, obviously, it just happens to be my two favorite characters. So I've got the, the Luke and the Ray in front of us here. But uh, if you are f- struggling finding it, I mean, even in our podcast group, I mean, a lot of us are just not seeing it yet. Don't fret. I mean, it's actually way more online and that doesn't cost you anything. So for me, it's more of a collector item. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I just read it online. Um, I just think there's so many now, all these magazines that come out when they have a special. I mean, the, the last one had four different covers, correct? Yeah, the Vanity Fair the one. The Vanity Fair one, yeah. So, you know, online, the articles are really good. I enjoyed reading them. They broke it up into, what, six parts? Yep. And uh, so you can kind of, there's uh, they touch on just about every character there. Uh, the Chewbacca and Han Solo one I, I found really interesting uh, as the Luke and Ray, those were kind of my two favorite sections there. The um, yeah. And yeah, the, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so entertainment weekly, I'd say, go check it out, read about it. I think it's a nice preview. There's not really spoilers in there. I wouldn't consider anything in there a spoiler. Um, Galaxy's edge. Go yeah. look up for information on that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I would recommend going and at least seeing one of those, uh, the YouTube video, there's not a lot of information in print. You can pull up a million Google hits, but every article pretty much says the same like five details that are out there about any of it i just say go go look at pictures and that video walkthrough of the model that they had a d23 that is really awesome to look at and we'll get you psyched up for that um and if you if you just aren't that interested in it i would say just kind of go check it out anyway because after you see it you might be a lot more interested 
think that's pretty much what we talked about, right? We, did, we still didn't talk about the Thrawn novel. We're going to have to save that for... Yeah, we'll save that for of, the next episode. Yeah, I guess absolutely. Yeah. But I, I just say, like, like it's, it's a lead-in to potentially whenever we record our next episode. I just felt like... And I've talked to a couple uh, you know, people in, in the Star Wars uh, community in the fandom about this. Like, I viewed very much Thrawn very differently after reading this novel than the original Timothy Zahn novels. And I almost felt like... I was rooting for him. He was like the anti-hero, excuse me, the anti-hero. And I feel like he gave a, they gave him a better, more compelling backstory this time. It's it's very similar to what it was before, but just his his motivations and I don't know. Maybe it was more, I'm just more dialed into the universe now, but I just, I absolutely loved that novel. And it was so good to... Timothy Zahn is just an excellent writer and it's no slight against anybody else that's been doing a lot of these canon novels and you know Jim I think you and I both are big fans of Claudia Gray yes and and some of the others that have that have done really good work but to me Timothy Zahn is like on a whole nother level I think pretty much anybody that's read Star Wars novels on a regular basis is going to agree with you and anybody who doesn't is going to be in a, a pretty small minority I would think just from the the uh, opinions that I've seen out there. I haven't really seen anybody argue with that. But yeah, I think that's kind of a good teaser. So there's some homework. If you haven't read the Timothy Zahn uh, new Thrawn mo- novel, I mean, I guess it's not that new anymore. It's been out for a little while. April. Yeah, um, I think we can yeah. talk about it at this point. Yeah, go go read it. And then our next podcast, we will dive into that because uh, I think we'll both have some pretty good comments on that. <sighs> I think that's uh, a very long and thorough show, Jim. I think it's about that time. It is. And what time is that? Plug time. It is plug time. Where can they find you on social media, Brian? Jedi Scavenger SW on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter for me, it is at Red5Gym. Head on over to BrickCityBlockade.com. It's going to be one of the best places to see, uh, you know, we just talked about with Katie McFarlane with her new uh, creative writing that she had out there. We are also going to find all the information about the podcast shows. Head on over to iTunes. Now, Jim, and I know you're an Android user, head on over to Google Play. Thank you God. Can thank, so you can now download <laughs> our episodes. You can always, always head over to... Excuse me. Thank the maker. Thank the maker. <laughs> head on over to SoundCloud also, too. You can listen to them there. Usually, we embed the SoundCloud player and to the uh, articles on BrickCityBlockade.com. And also, make sure to uh, rate and comment. It's one of the best ways to get our name out there. Robin has been absolutely killing it with some really great guests lately with some great episodes and there's some other stuff that he's got in the works and it it really helps us get out there and we can bring even more positive and engaging content to you, our listeners. So thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the Cantina episode five. I think that's going to do it, Jim. So as we usually say at the end of these podcasts, may the force be with you. Always.